Hello friends, I'm Stefan Dyer and I'm recording my first ever English comedy special live from Toronto on February 24. Get your tickets now at stefandyer.com. Welcome to the Stefan Dyer podcast, my people. my people. ¿Cómo están, damas y caballeros? Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Stefan Dyer podcast, where I welcome people with remarkable stories for amazingly vulnerable conversations. My name is Stefan Dyer, former banker turned comedian and lifestyle entrepreneur. I am in Costa Rica right now recording this. And today we have an incredible guest. We have the unbreakable Ferris Hatia. But before we dive in, let me share a quick personal story about the lowest point in my career. It's late 2017. I just quit the bank in Toronto. And to be fair, I was struggling with comedy. On the other hand, I just proposed to my girlfriend, now wife, and we decided to buy an apartment. So I head to my old bank, Scotiabank, for a mortgage. Now, despite having the down payment and the ability to pay together, Our application for a modest $350,000, practically peanuts in Toronto's market, gets instantly rejected. I was crushed. It was me and Narissa's dream. The fact that I did not have a job letter and that Narissa was not a permanent residence at the time made our case too complicated. That's when I met Joe Purewell, mortgage agent, our podcast sponsor from now on. That's when Joe came into our life. Joe literally saved us. We didn't know there was other ways to buy a home other than the five big banks. There's other banks that do mortgages too. I didn't know that. Not only did we buy our first apartment, but we later sold it to buy a bigger one when my son Liam was born. Now, the best part, Joe's team speaks Spanish. So if you're a new newcomer or a Latino dreaming of owning your home, even if you're Canadian, call Or WhatsApp Joe right now at plus one nine oh five three three zero six oh nine oh. We all have really complicated situations, and with Joe, you can ask all those tricky, awkward questions without the fear of judgment. He will offer you the best rates and solutions for our unique journeys. That's Joe Purewell at plus one nine oh five three three zero sixty ninety. Or if it's easier, just look at the show notes and it's all there, my friends. Now, let's talk about our incredible guest. Ferris Hatia is a Sudanese-Canadian stand-up comedian. In just two years of stand-up, Ferris was featured at Yuck Yucks, Just for Laughs, Just for Laughs Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, and Sled Island 2022. Ferris then partnered with Telus Story Hive to film Telus's first ever comedy special, Send Help. Released in February the following year. After releasing the special on YouTube in 2023, Ferris was named as a new face of comedy with Just for Laughs, showcasing at the festivals in Montreal and Toronto. He's tour toured all over Canada and has worked with major acts including Dulce Sloan from the, from the Daily Show with Trevor Noah and Neil Brennan from Netflix and The Chappelle Show. You can hear Ferris on the Just for Laughs Originals album, Substitute Teacher Energy, now playing on SiriusXM and available available on all streaming platforms. And now, enjoy this episode with Ferris in 3, 2, 1. 
Go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Stefan Dyer podcast. I have here the unbreakable, the unmistakable, the highly capable, the invincible, Sparrows. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> doing good, man. I love that Wu-Tang intro. This is awesome. <laughs> Yes, sir. 8.30 in the morning in Calgary, uh, and I'm waking you up like that. No, man, and, and I've never been happier. This is, I think, the best I've ever been woken up. I so, love it. Pure comedy good. talk. I'm, we're going to jump right into it. So I met you at Just for Laughs. We were both in, in the festival. You were doing new faces. I loved your set. I love your calm delivery. Uh, super witty super uh original which oh, not a not no hate to to other people and other comics but i i find that like your delivery is very original your material is very original and i guess in many ways like i know you're very talented and successful but i think that's what new faces kind of looks for and you you were one of my favorites that's for sure when did you get the news where were you were you excited Oh man, yeah. <laughs> this is how this is how you know like how much of a like a game changer I think comedy like or like these big festivals can be. Um and first of all, very that's very sweet of you. Thank you for uh and uh and uh yeah, um likewise. I'm no Stefan Dyer, but you know I'm working on it. Um I where was I? I was <laughs> I was on my friend's couch in Edmonton when I got the call. Like and my friend, by the way, not doing great financially either. I was in a, it was a rundown couch. It yeah. was, uh, <laughs> it was one of my best friends in the world too. He'll, he'll be there soon enough. But, um, I was on my friend's couch in the morning when, uh, yeah, the, the booker, uh, for just for life, shout out, uh, Neil Bansel. Yeah. Um, Neil was great. And, uh, I was actually a lot. I think I, I probably looked a lot like I do right now. Just bags under my eyes, trying to get my bearings, and uh, and yeah, he's just like, "Hey, dude, like, you know, are are you are you busy?" I'm like, it's the morning, and I do comedy in Canada. I'm not busy. Um, <laughs> and he goes, "I just wanted to invite you to to Montreal to to as a new face of of, of uh, comedy." I'm like, "Yeah," and it's one of those you just wake up. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's skip coffee that day yeah you're just you're just buzzing you know the, the you're everything's kind of bouncing around your head you're like oh my god is this even real that i just get pranked you're like looking at your like call history it's like no that's what it says he called it says it was him <laughs> so, yeah it even changes how you walk outside you're walking outside your your, your friend's apartment and you're like why is nobody saying anything to me why <laughs> Why am I getting no pictures, paparazzi? Like it makes you feel amazing, eh? Well, it's not even. It's it's more like uh, because you have to keep it a secret. Oh yeah, you have to keep it a secret. So like, I think it was like I was like walking. I had like the weight of the world on my shoulders. <laughs> I was like, oh no, <laughs> I was like, I can't tell anybody, but I want to tell everybody. Yeah. Uh, and and then uh thank god like i had a like a three-hour drive that a five-hour drive that day 
Well, it was July, three hours. Yeah, so I I moved to Calgary by then. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. So I was just in my car, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a list of everyone I trust and tell all of them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm just like in the car calling people and like crying. I can't believe I actually got it. And uh, yeah, what but, was the uh, what was your showcase like? Did you? What was your process? So for people who are listening to the podcast and my audience is a lot of Latinos, newcomers, a lot of comedy fans, and they don't know what the pro. So I was, I was part of the showcase here. What was, what was the day like for you? Was your showcase in Calgary? Did you go with your greatest hits or were you like, I'm going to try and not try, but like go with some that may not be popular just because I wanted to have a different point of view, original, different so that I can like um, stand out. And how did you prepare? Were you nervous? Did you smoke up a little bit? Did you have a few drinks before? Like, what was your process before? Well, at the time, uh, I was living in Lethbridge, Alberta, which is like a small town near like the U.S. border in southern okay. Alberta. Um, it's like, I don't know, to put it into perspective, it's like we just like celebrated hitting 100,000 people uh, like last year. <laughs> we were... We're like, guys, we did it. We're a city. <laughs> so I was like, not yet. We're not yet. I don't think I have a thousand to qualify. But um, it was a very, so I had to commute up to Calgary uh, to do showcases. So like, thankfully, like the last couple of years, like I've been getting like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be put on these showcases as, um, yeah, just out of Lethbridge. But I would have to go and do them in Calgary. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think... Like I went up and yeah, I kind of took a swing that 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 day. I ended up doing um it was my set was one joke. Uh so wow. it was, it's like a seven minute set or whatever. What was it about? Um <laughs> it's about how I think that when slavery ended, uh it left like a hole in society in the West. Just like it was so important, like into like the fabric of like it's how we built North America. Oh, so I yeah. feel like so like when we when it ended, it, it left something like we like an emotional thing. And my theory is that we filled it with dogs. Uh, so that's what like the bit is. Oh yeah, is I like, think a part of that bit was that just on the Just for Laps Instagram, right? Or was it on your Instagram? Yes, I saw it. Yeah. So I ended up doing it in Montreal also. So like I, I showcased with it in February. And then I ended up just doing it in in Montreal, because um, I I love like taking a chance. <laughs> I love Let's putting my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> I love taking the biggest moments of my career and gambling with them. Is, uh, um, so if you want advice on what not to do, don't do that. But do yeah. like there's there's like I had very good sets that were very strong and personal that I could have done. Um, and I was like, no, 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 no. I want to say the craziest thing I can possibly say. <laughs> and did yeah, it kill that every... day in the showcase? Did it do well? Oh, it crushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ends up, it's one of those jokes where it's like it either, yeah, bombs super aggressively because it takes everything that North Americans yeah. love the most with the part that they're most ashamed of and um, pits them against each other. So, um, 
it's one of those where it's either yeah like applause breaks galore or uh we hate you we're gonna like we better not see you outside um and thankfully like i showcased like at a comedy club and it's one of like canada's like premier comedy clubs um the the laugh shop so uh, they tend to love just like comedy so for them they're like we're on board and uh yeah and then it worked in montreal too so Oof. amazing man congrats no i saw you perform during uh jfl toronto here at I loved your set, but I want I, I want to take it back a little bit. Going through your bio that we heard at the beginning, it seems like you had uh, a very rapid growth, and, and not taking any credit, like to the contrary, giving you more credit, because in in just two years of stand up, you've already done Yuck Yucks, Just for Laughs, Vancouver, Sled Island. What do you think? I know it's hard to draw conclusions because it's you talking about your career. But what do you think that you did different to have a fast rise compared to people that may have been doing 10 years uh, stand up and still haven't got the call, you know? Well, uh, I honestly, I think there's a lot of luck uh, involved. Um, I think there's a, a couple things that kind of contributed to that. Like I started stand up in Lethbridge. So I started in like this small place. There's not a lot of comics there. There is a club. Um, and then I think it was like, I maybe done, I think like eight sets before COVID hit. So I started wow. like six weeks before COVID. Then we got locked down for whatever it was in Alberta. We had like this gap, but it was like, we were locked down for like four months. It wasn't that long. Our first one. And then when we reopened, the club is trying to run. And they can't afford to pay anyone other than headliners. So they stopped bringing in hosts and middles from out of town. So they needed locals. I had five minutes of, I had a loose five. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're like, we need you to host. Uh, we're not getting people from out of town. So then I had to learn how to do crowd work and how to turn over material really quickly. And they just threw me in the fire. There's eight people in the audience. By the way, they hate black people. Figure it out. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's they insane. Yeah. So it was, I was just in the grinder immediately. Uh, and so I think that's really, um, and then for me, I've always been one, uh, you know, one of my mantras, one of the things I live by is, is, uh, don't ever let them see you sweat. So for me, it's like, I'm just, okay. All right. This is the, this is the hand I was dealt. And I fell in love with comedy in the six weeks I was doing it. I just want to do it. I don't care where I am. I don't care who it is. I'm going to figure it out. And then I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And then I had, you know, 30, 45 minutes of stage time every weekend. You're right. Doing uh, just, just hosting shows. Yeah. Um, and in difficult rooms. So yeah. um, that was the thing like uh, with, with COVID with, um we had like it was very like especially at the time i think like the clubs expanded a lot now and um and whatever but like at the time it was like it was a boys club it was so it's just like all white dudes and they want to hear you bitch about your ex-wife and if that's not what you have we're you're it's going to take a lot for you to win us over uh so 
Yeah, man, it was just that. Like, I think any comic thrown in that situation with any level of a work ethic, I think, develops very quickly. Sink or swim, I love it. And yeah. I, I want to get your insight on how did you not fall into the trap of bitching about women or this or that, which is the material that a lot of these people want to hear. And I'll give you my experience. So when I started doing stand-up in 2015 to the end of 2014, it was me and my business partner who we worked it together at the time. Um, I used to do Vine back then, sketch comedy online. And that's how, like, that was my beginning in, in comedy, I guess. He used to do street storytelling in Colombia. And one of our friends invited us to an open mic, Spanish open mic, where you could do music or poetry or whatever you want. And he asked us to yeah. do stand-up. We'd never done stand-up. For whatever reason, we did, we went on stage together, <laughs> don't ask. And <laughs> we were on stage together. And we did like a show every two months for the first three years. And then we quit our jobs in 2017. But uh, just delusional, pretty much. <laughs> But, but hey, here we are. Now, when I we started doing these shows, I had never done stand-up. And because we started in Spanish in Toronto, most of the audience was from like, all of the audience was like 13, 15 countries from like Brazil, Argentina, Venezuela, Colombia, Mexico, Costa Rica, everywhere. Because we all speak Spanish just with a slightly different accent, but we all speak Spanish. And they... Like, I wanted to, like, it's not that I wanted to, but my stuff is slightly more observational, I would say. And it wasn't, it wasn't like relatable to them. They wanted to hear about the mother that would hit you with the, with the flip flop. And they wanted to hear about sex and they wanted to hear about like, uh, I don't know, parties back home and yeah, all, all these specific. Yeah, and something that is relatable. And my business partner, who is a great storyteller, to his credit, would just kill every time. And I would just fucking struggle. Because I came here when I was 15. I moved around a lot when I was a kid. I didn't really grow up in Costa Rica or like or in Latin America because I kept moving around. And I was always like an immigrant in each of these countries because I was never from there. Even in Costa Rica, I grew up in a Peruvian household. My whole family is Peruvian. So I never mm -hmm. felt like local, you know, yeah. and I just like a survival mechanism. Those first years, I had to develop some sort of material that would connect with them to not fucking like die in each of these shows. How did how did you decide to not develop a little bit of like to throw them a bone uh, to to just like connect with them a little bit or you were just like fuck this fuck everybody i'm going to do my own thing i'm going to die anyways cuz i'm not i don't have that much experience anyways what was your train of thought in going into these shows at the beginning uh well okay man. <clears throat> that's actually really cool i didn't know a lot of a lot of that about your uh your come up um, but obviously like we've talked a little bit, you've talked about, uh, your Peruvian upbringing and stuff, but I didn't realize how much you've moved around. 
Yeah. That's, um, and, uh, cause I, I mean, I see that in your standup, like, uh, uh, obviously like going through clips and all that, like, you're like, oh, Venezuelans are like this and, uh, Costa yeah. Ricans are like this and Colombians are like this. And it's like, um, it's really fun to watch. Uh, that's <laughs> Thank really you, cool to see. And then, um, and then I'm uh, sorry if this interrupts it. And like, I like, no, 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 go ahead. but uh, I wanted to like, is where did the English side start? like uh of your stand-up was that like after then uh in toronto and you're just like oh i'm gonna try this in english too yeah so i took my first ever english actually my first ever stand-up workshop at the end of 2016 right mm -hmm. before uh quitting my job in 2017 because we started doing stand-up in spanish and and that's all i had done pretty much we did like just to be like very transparent. I did like probably like 30 shows in three years, you know, because mm -hmm. there was nobody to do shows in Spanish. We created the scene in Spanish. Yeah. And and then I, I practiced my public speaking and got feedback that I was funny at Toastmasters it, since 2012 when I worked at the bank here. At, I worked at Scotiabank for seven years. And there was a yeah. Toastmasters public speaking club. And I started in 2012 and I would get feedback, any speech that it was funny. And that's why I ended up trying stand-up. But pretty much I did my first ever show in English, like my level one grad show in September of 2016. And that's when I kind of started. But because we needed money, because we had quit our jobs, we've focused hard on the Latino niche. So I pretty much probably get like i don't know 20 20 30 sets in english a year uh mm -hmm. but and then i do like triple that in spanish or more of course yeah okay damn man and now, <laughs> and now you're about to tape an hour in english yeah yeah because i've been really? doing i've been doing the for seven years yeah i've been doing english but like not as much and now i've kind of identified a niche where in September, I went to Costa Rica right before I met you to, to the beach and did a show for expats in English. I did two shows in English, one in Spanish. And we do a lot of corporate comedy shows here in English. And right. like I would say 60, 70 percent of my Spanish can be translated. So now really? I'm doing I'm doing like everything that I've built and putting it in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, OK. So you're going full like like Sugar Sammy type thing, like uh you're gonna yeah. flip yeah 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 um yeah it's uh yeah if, you, if you've seen sugar sammy he's, he's he's unbelievable he flips between english and french yeah uh, exactly um, what's it say? you're gonna rire i think is that like you're gonna laugh um and uh and then he'll come in between so that's your man i i can't wait to see that that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be amazing i think that's what i need like i mindered in spanish so i feel like that'll be the amount of spanish i think i can work with um, well, come and do our show you get whenever you're in toronto we'll go, you can do our show and we'll give you five ten minutes in spanish oh no i can't do five ten minutes in spanish no 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 five ten minutes that's how long it takes me to get two sentences out um <laughs> Como se dice? That's going to be my whole set. Um, slavery and dogs. Esclavos y perros. That'll be your set. ¿Tienen perros? Perros. Yes. Escúchame. Yes. 
No, but uh, yeah, uh, I okay. Now I've blanked on the question that you asked me before. So yeah, um, how did you how did you not give in to having to do that material in front of this white? Because I remember when we did the Just for Laughs party, the Just for Laughs slash Netflix party that one night. You told me a story about how you went to this small town in Alberta. And like somebody fucking yelled something at you and you and you roasted them and then the, the club owner didn't allow you to come back or something. Or you roasted the club owner or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was that's more of a fun story. Uh yeah, that yeah, one yeah. Was, cause like that set I I was killing. So like that was uh it was like a New Year's Eve thing. Like that was uh whatever. Like a guy heckled me, I roasted him. It happened to be that he was the owner <laughs> of the only venue in that town. Um, that, that, that book stand up comedy. Uh, so then effectively I just couldn't go back to that whole place, but I, like, I, I, uh, I had a great set. Everyone loved me. They wanted me to come back. It was just the owner that was, um, and even the owner loved me too. It was after the fact people kept on telling my jokes back to him. So they kept uh, saying everything. I said to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over and over for for like weeks after the show, and then he was like, "You're done." Uh, I, I were at first he was like, <laughs> "He's not booking comedy." He's he stopped booking comedy altogether for months. Wow! And then, and then a different comic uh, kind of reached out. What's going on? Then he kind of told him what the problem was, and then he's like, "Okay, what if I just don't book him? Can we bring shows back?" And then he's like, "All yeah. right, fine." So well, that's insane, man. <laughs> um but uh that that's been like a positive that's been a positive story like at like at least like behind the scenes at least with comics and all that everybody's been like that's yeah 100 percent. <laughs> so uh did you have any yeah, negative that's... experiences at the initial club where you like during oh, the pandemic yeah 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 that's where i had a lot more issues that's where i got i got heckled a lot that's where like it, it could have been like whatever it could have been stuff that was racist it could have been stuff that was obviously like we're we're joking we're doing jokes about covid and all that and so and then i and i i guess like uh i mean not not to go too much into it but like i was uh pretty like progressive about covid so it was like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna wear the mask i'm gonna whatever i like i got vaccinated all that stuff um and not that i was overly judgmental about it but like yeah it was definitely it would uh build a lot of attention <laughs> um, <laughs> where uh people would whatever but uh i think um i'm a, i'm a stubborn person uh largely you know I, i'm very uh i i tend to have a lot of conviction a lot of times also like not justifiably <laughs> i just kind of do yeah. <laughs> um uh i think it's why a lot of us do stand up is where it's not because we're reasonable you yeah. know it's not um it, it takes a certain kind of person to do it but yeah it's uh it, it just like that those jokes weren't fun for me i couldn't write them well like, like the jokes that they would like if like if if it came to my brain and it was honest i would do it and that would often become my bridge yeah. uh so like uh i would have like i still i'll have like a dumb dick joke or two like um I, I think it's hard not to, but um, that often became the bridge. The yeah. Dick's connectors. And then, uh, <laughs> and then you would start doing what you wanted to do. But like, yeah, I was like, I know that I can make my experience funny. I know I can figure it out here. And, um, and in my brain, it was like, I don't want, like, I knew from the beginning, I didn't just want to do stand up in Lethbridge, Alberta. Yeah, I knew I didn't want it to start and end <laughs> there. 
So um, for me, it's like, okay, if I can make what I want to do work here, then it's already going to be airtight by the time I get out. Yeah. And that was my, my, my mindset was like, I'm going to make it out of here. I'm going to make it past here. And I want to be ready for the world. I want to be ready for, uh, for, you know, the, the, the bigger places when I, when I do it. And then my head is just like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out, which, uh, yeah. Now looking back, it's like, that was crazy. <laughs> that was insane. <laughs> you have to be fucking crazy. Yeah. In many ways. Like I look back and I'm like, I quit a senior manager, wealth management job at Scotiabank. Yeah, downtown Toronto, the pride of my family, mm-hmm. to tell jokes in Spanish in yeah. a country that does not speak Spanish. <laughs> so we got a country that doesn't speak Spanish. Their second language is French, and they don't speak that either. So, <laughs> like, you're so, speaking a language that's not even on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, you got to be, like, almost delusional. And and also like when you when I I saved up a little bit of money to buy myself a year, you know, it, it, I I always tell that I was 29 at the time. I did not have kids. I did not have a mortgage. I was not married. And I was like, well, fuck it. This is the time to take risks. And, you know, when when you have immigrant parents or, or parents who are not from here or, or like you it like it took a while for me to to um, to give up this thing that they were really proud of because they paid for my education to come to Canada. We moved around a lot. I became one of the youngest senior managers ever at Scotiabank, and and like my family was fucking proud because because Scotiabank is something that exists back home. Scotiabank is like the largest international bank in Latin America, you know. So. So yeah, wow. So, uh, but, yeah. but, but then I was like, a part of me was like, what's my fucking excuse? You know, like uh, if I was living in Ecuador or El Salvador or even Costa Rica, I'd be like, oh no, I would quit my job. But like, if I lived in, in a, in a city that is like top comedy, like, like New York, LA, Toronto, Chicago. I, if I was there, okay, I'm, I'm there now. What's my fucking excuse? Well, if I blah, blah, blah. And like, I narrowed it down to what's my, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, what's the worst thing that can yeah. happen? And the worst thing that can happen is that, first of all, I was already a permanent resident. Uh, so, and I, that day I quit, I, I quit. I also quit, uh, applied for my citizenship. So what's, like that was check. I was gonna get the that's, passport. Yeah, that's locked in. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. worst part, yeah, the worst part, the worst possible scenario is I gotta work at Starbucks. That's like the best. That's fucking amazing. That's the epitome of privilege. Like, yes. uh, like yeah. you know how many people are fucking eating shit back home, and they wish they could work at Starbucks and tell jokes at night. So, um. No excuses. So then I, I did it. We, me and my business partner, we quit at the same time. And now I thought all the, all the people that had come to the shows were going to come again. But as you know, your friends stopped showing up after the fourth show. They're like, hey, you got to do five minutes. <laughs> I've already know. I already know your jokes. <laughs> so it forces yeah. you. It really fucking forces you to, yeah. to become a businessman, marketing, relationships, follow ups. Uh, and I thought that when I quit, because I, I was like not happy at the bank towards the end. 
And I thought that when I did something that I loved, I was going to be happy. But as soon as you quit your job, you realize, oh, fuck, I'm still responsible for my happiness. Now I don't have any excuse, you know, I, I'm yeah. still responsible for my well-being and my yeah. so you got to do all this shit. Now you don't have any because the um, the happiness will, will last you like 48 hours. You know, oh, I quit my job. I'm a... But then it's like, OK, then actually we it lasted us longer because the day we quit, the next day we went on a three week tour through Miami, Costa Rica and Colombia. And oh, yeah. And uh, looking back, I'm like, man, I had we had fucking balls because we sucked at comedy. <laughs> we spent all this money that we probably needed to survive later. <laughs> but it actually like you need to be crazy because yeah, yeah. you did the networking. I learned a lot from other comics. I I bombed in other markets, learned so that I didn't go and bomb again. Or or uh, and it was great. It was a great. It also taught me what it took what did you work in before and when did you make the jump i um I, my last job i was a disability support worker um yeah so i worked with like adults with intellectual disabilities i uh it was i think it was like the beginning of last year when i started to realize i might have to leave it i was just commuting for everything so like i lived so Lethbridge is like two hours south of Calgary, uh, two, two and a half hours south of Calgary. All of the work in Alberta is the road. So that's where people will. That's where comics make money here. So like, say, like in a place like Toronto, a lot of the time you don't even need to leave Toronto to do, you know, several shows a night. Um, yeah. And, and, then, and then paid shows on weekends and all sorts of venues. In Alberta, you make all your money doing some random brewery in some random town you've never heard of um that's where the money gets made there's like not really any media here okay. so uh, the path to like royalties and like tv money is a lot longer for us in alberta so you just have to commute to yeah whatever bullshit town so um <laughs> and then, uh, oh they know how i feel grand prairie you i'm looking at you uh, uh it's uh it, it's it's a it's a rough it's a it's it's a rough kind of situation so like i was just doing the commutes yeah so there were times that i go four hours there and back for uh, seven minutes you know uh for twenty dollars whatever there was i mean there was a lot of midweeks like i go to calgary uh and you know drive two and a half hours in the dead of january uh and two and a half hours back for a, a free guest spot you know um and just like whatever i need the stage that's time. the grind and uh yeah 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 so uh and then eventually the road trip started getting bigger you're opening for me somewhere uh three nights uh you got you know come through and uh that's when um yeah so i started now having to like book time off um and all of that stuff and then i remember <laughs> the beginning of last year i had used all of my uh paid time off all of my unpaid time off and all of my mental health days <laughs> and my sick days um, for the year. Yeah. I used them all by the third week of like February. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was legitimately, yeah, it was like a month and a half into the, into the year and I'd used everything. I was barely working. Um, 
And then they were like, look, you can't like either either we, we have to move you down to a casual employee. We can't keep you as this unless you can keep working 40 hours a week or 30 hours, 35 hours, whatever it was. Um, and so then that's when I went down to being a casual employee and then just picking up shifts as I went. So I would just take shifts whenever I was in town and now have a lot more freedom to do the road whenever I wanted. Um, and then it was that summer where I went full time in stand up so that I went like all the way now stand up is my primary source of income yeah. and I work one or two shifts a month at that job in case the dream dies I still have that job so I would <laughs> like yeah I would uh yeah and kind of just do it that way and then this year I finally quit I, it was actually after Montreal it was after I signed a manager we're talking about it's November this was I think August yeah <laughs> I like fully quit I haven't uh <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't worked in almost two months, and they were like, "Look, we should have fired you." <laughs> but, uh, but like, we like you. We know you're chasing something you love. So, I mean, yeah, man. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, uh, they didn't fire me, uh, and uh, they let me quit with like you know, with dignity. And, and so they're like, "And at least this way, you quitting means you can come back." So, like, if the dream dies, don't worry. There's a there's yeah. a disability support agency in Lethbridge, Alberta that'll happily take you back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. you know, you know. There's a I, I told you this at the, just for last, but there's a I know about Lethbridge because there's a group on Facebook, Latinos in Lethbridge, that for whatever reason wanted to bring me like five years ago and do comedy there, but. I think we quoted them. They're like, I don't think we have enough money to to pay like twenty dollars to, to bring you here. <laughs> but it'd be great yeah. to it'd be great to bring you, but we can't pay anything. And they, I see them all the time on Facebook. They post all the time, and uh, and, and I think we're gonna go to Calgary in in uh, March to perform. So I'll I'll hit you up. And you can do your five minutes in Spanish, man. You're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will. And, uh... I want to ask you about when you do Montreal, when you did Montreal and when you did Toronto, working with like amazing acts. Obviously, all the new faces are are incredible, great yeah. people, uh, very talented. And you did you do Montreal, which is the big fucking lease. You did Toronto. It was a fantastic festival. It was actually my first time at the festival. I I opened for Ariel Elias Elias. Yeah. And you worked, you worked with Dulce Sloan. You worked work with Dio Brennan. What, like, what were the big learnings for you? Or what was like, whoa, fuck, this is actually happening. And yeah. what did you learn from their set? What did you learn from others that you weren't doing that now you incorporated? It could be from acts that you worked with. It could be from your new faces, or it could be from acts that you saw during the festival. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, we'll do. So Montreal, after Montreal, I learned uh, uh, you don't have to yell in the theater. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the tape is out there and it's going to be out there forever. Uh, it's okay. You can talk normal. Uh, turns out microphones and speakers work. Um, yeah. Uh, that's uh, turns out technology's there. I don't know if you know that, but... Uh, the technology is here. Uh, you can work a theater and not yell. Um, uh, but 
yeah and it's uh it's it's like you can tell from the footage of my new faces that's like oh it's his first theater for sure that's, <laughs> this guy's never done one before yeah um so i think that was <laughs> that was the first lesson but uh yeah i think uh working with i think dulce and neil um i think that uh, one of the blessings is they're both uh, again, very headstrong, very, I'm going to do me by yeah. from hell or high water. I'm just going to do me and, uh, and my people will come and look at where that's gotten them. You know, um, I, I think with Neil, with Neil Brennan, it was, I think watching him, it's his use of, of similes, uh if, if you know like similes and metaphors yeah like um, yeah using the word like uh it's i think i haven't probably seen them like i haven't seen a comic like lean as hard into it I, and he's uh it, it, the way he writes them is 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 incredible and i and for me it's always been like i've always felt like this weird pressure of 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 hey don't you know you can't have like a system you can't have a have a have a formula and uh and then when you look at everyone that's ever done well <laughs> they've all got like a formula they yeah. you know, like you see it when it's louis if it's Chappelle, if it's uh if, if it is brennan if it's if it's uh like a, a, any of these uh any great comic mulaney yeah there's a formula you can eventually see a rhythm to how they do how they get to a punchline. And uh, I think with Neil, it was like, it was especially like distinct. It's so clear. Um, and uh, I think it was like a lesson in like, yeah, it's okay. Like you can, you can lean and you, you can lean into that. You can, you can write jokes in a way that like, yeah, this is how I formulate things. And then the rest sort of comes together. Um uh, whereas I was always like, oh, like every joke needs to be like written in a different way and written in whatever. And then here's the thing. It's still going to, especially yeah. like once you've been doing it a few years, it's still going to, it's going to, it's going to dip into your own formula. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. And from uh, Dulce, yeah. what did you see? Dulce, I think that was like, I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about. This lady's talking about like American, like civil rights in a theater for white people in toronto and and it's like i'm gonna i don't care if i have to spell it out but like i'm gonna talk about what i want to talk about wow yeah and it crushed it crushed right uh, both of them were doing that even neil brennan i mean we're we're doing you know like he's like he's referencing like philosophers on stage and like you'd have to know the like specifics of how they uh and 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 it's like no we're gonna get into it you know like this is what i know this is what i want to talk about and i'm gonna make this work i don't care if Powerful. i have to read their their work to you i don't care if i have to read their books to you to get to a punchline but that's what i want to do and and so um watching them both do that was really really cool i think with yeah with dulce i think it was a little bit more uh like it was, it was more like, um, like, like, like out there where it's like, I, this is where I'm, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw a video of Dulce with, with Paul Leah at comedy bar with the low key show uh, today yeah. that they just posted. 
And she's like, what an amazing delivery. You, It's like, I don't Man. give a fuck. Even her yeah. talking about the lobby episode about this guy, this guy saying, um, shut up. I'm trying to, I'm going to call or something. Uh, did you see the video? Oh, no, I haven't seen that video. No. Okay. So basically they were at the lobby of the hotel for just for laughs in Toronto. And some, uh, Paul and Dulce are talking and in the lobby, there was a couple other people, I guess, but there was a guy in the lobby and he's like, shut the fuck up. I'm, I'm, I'm in a call. And do, and Dosa was like, oh, hell no, you're not fucking doing this. And she was about to go up to him. And then Paul was like into it as well. And she and then the guy was about to like go into Dosa, but saw that Paul was there. And she was roasting Paul as she told the story. And, and bowling shirt here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her, her delivery is a, amazing. Oh, and oh, content and everything. Uh, incredible so like that was what was really fun to see like because even hanging out with her like that's what she's like you know like when 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 we be chilling in green rooms or whatever or, like she she was always like down to hang out we go like hit up a shisha lounge whatever uh, like this is what she's like you know like it, it, it's uh and i think that maybe is the kind of like the real beauty of like the two of them is like oh they're so them yeah they are this isn't an act like uh like obviously like a it's a it's an act in the sense that it's written and it's uh and performed but it's not like they're not changing themselves for you and i, I think that's uh, a beautiful beautiful thing to learn as somebody you know learning or coming up is is you can be you if anything yes. you want you should be yeah like escape competition through authenticity i'm a fucking obsessed with this uh, podcast mm. by um, Naval. This guy Naval, he's okay. like the founder of AngelList in San Francisco, multi-billionaire. He's like an angel investor. And um, he has an episode called How to Get Rich Without Getting Lucky. And it's like, he does like one minute episodes, but he compiled all of them. And it's like a three hour episode. And he's like, the best way to be successful is to escape competition through authenticity and it's like because nobody can be ferris no no like only ferris can be the best at being ferris but there's there's a process to it you it, it takes work and mm -hmm. and there's another part of it that says there's a guy called scott adams i don't know if you know him but he's the he's the creator of the cartoon dilbert and he's also like oh. a f former banker and he he does um he does the cartoons for Dilbert, multimillionaire, and he's also a hypnotist. And he has like a he has a theory like there's ten thousand skills in the world. Like yeah. there's comedy writing, running, basketball, reading, psychology. Ten thousand. Let's call it ten thousand. But like it's too hard of a problem to be the best in the world at one thing. And and for example, even if like Usain Bolt woke up like hungover tomorrow, like I'm not fucking beating this guy at 100 meters, even if I train for the rest of my life, you know, and mm -hmm. and um, and he says, but it's much so like being the best at one thing in the world is like is a very hard problem. It's just too hard. But being very good, like top 25 percentile, like very, very good at three things, it is much easier and by you being authentic and change chasing these things that you're interested at, you'll become very good at. And those three things that you're super good at 
because of the combination, the unique combination of those three things, then you're already the best at that combination. So, yeah. but you can't unless you're authentic about what you really like. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of these people and that and just for laughs has done a really good job at, I guess, and Neil and everybody have, have done a good job at dissecting who these are from the, from the crowd. It's it, like, they may not be explosive, but they're unbelievably authentic, funny, witty, intelligent, which is like what you want in a show. You don't want everybody to be like the same kind of explosive. I wanted to ask you, what did you learn from your fellow new faces? I I fucking love Momo. He's going to be on the show. Yeah. I loved everybody on it. What did you learn from them that not necessarily you've incorporated onto your show, but that you really like from either what they do at the show, how they carry themselves professionally, or the camaraderie that the group built? What did you learn from the group? Oh, man. Well, I'll, I'll even tell you now, like, yeah, there is stuff I'll take and incorporate into my <laughs> into my own stand-up right now. I was like, dude, steal. Not jokes. Uh, don't steal yeah, jokes. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I steal moves from everybody. Like, I don't even... Um, I like, I think that's how you create your, your, your act is, is, and, 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 uh, I, like you said, I was so lucky, like, um, with everybody, like, you know, uh, Henry sir was like one of the first headliners I'd ever opened for. And then we were on this, uh, uh, on this new faces lineup together. I mean, this is, uh, legitimately one of the strongest writers in the country. Uh, um, and such an awesome performer and, and, um, and I mean, I think he's just like an example of like he's one of the few Canadians like passed at the cellar that's like doing doing these other things. So if um, I mean, and and he's someone who's like been capable of like writing about really difficult subjects. Yeah, he's um, great. And and making that stuff work, I think it's just like that reminder that like yeah, you can we can talk about anything. Like you can you know you can kind of. Like if you've got something to say, if you've got an honest thought about this and you're empathic about what it is you're talking about, you can talk about anything. Like this whole thing in stand-up of like you're not allowed to talk, you're not allowed to whatever. Like I've always found that as a bit of an ex- like uh, like a cop out, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, it's like that's that robot true. bit that he had. The robots was fantastic. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so he's got like you know just joke after joke about stuff that you're like i did not know we were allowed to say that (laughs) and you're like damn that was dope um and uh yes i mean obviously like he's great and and uh like everyone like natasha lynn miles dakota ray hebert like putting on like that girl lives in just the most like like rem- like when we talk about like remote parts of 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 Canada, like she's in like central like Saskatchewan, man, and and she's built this entire thing. She's built like such a massive career in film and in stand up, um, and and is again like just such a great example of of like you can do this from anywhere. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Uh, to Brandon D'Souza, like you said, Momo um is like one of my best friends uh um and uh and such a great example of just being yourself like i'm me i'm happy i yeah I, like I'm, I'm gonna have fun you're gonna have fun like we're just gonna 
Like, uh, like he can just fill a room with, with so much love. Ryan Williams, like one of the funniest people um, you're ever going to see. Like he's so in your face against so him. He's so, yeah. so Ryan. Um, I, man, I don't want to miss you know, Maddie Kelly and, and, and all these people, Maddie, another person who's like figured it out in multiple channels. Like this girl's writing sketch. She's doing podcasting. She's doing stand up. She's, uh, acting the whole thing. So it, it's seeing people be able to be successful in multiple areas that like, it's okay to experiment. Like they're the ones that inspired me now to like, you know, uh, like we're, we're writing for TV now, you know, we're working on a show. Like there's like, all this other stuff. And that's like, that's been kind of like, I've kind of had this one track mind of, I can only do stand up. I'm doing stand up. I think I'll only ever be able to do stand up. I won't be able to do anything else. And um, I think it's been like my peers that have been like, no, you can be good at this and you can do other things. You can absolutely have fun, enjoy yourself. You can diversify. And if anything, that's going to enhance your act. That's not going to hold it back. What was the name? Oh, I just, I, I had it. Um, funny man chris or what was his name um the guy the guy who has the mustache um uh, who's not that tall who's not very tall who oh dude yeah spencer spencer, spencer so yeah, yeah unbelievable man i yeah. like i'm short myself too and and uh i like you I've heard a lot about being short, but the way this guy tackled it was just you you think everything's been said and done. Yes. And this guy made me laugh so much. And the cool thing is super kind. Everybody's super kind too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I think uh I've always said, like, I think anybody who really knows what work is uh tends to be kind. Uh <laughs> yes. Well, because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If someone else is where you are, then you know what it took to get there. Yeah. Nobody hates from above. Nobody yeah. hates from above. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's like, yeah, if uh, and I mean, if you are, then then obviously then there's something to be said about how you got there. That now makes you question how other people did. But uh, I think anyone that's put their real time in, um, like everyone, I think, in our class has um anyone that's put their real time in um will have an appreciation for other people that did that too um and will be kind and welcoming to anyone else that's trying to get there or whatever because they'll know that getting to where they got to took sacrifice like it, it took it took struggle um and so yeah it's uh so it was nice seeing that even where we were at uh yeah and shout out like michelle to michelle forrester was was um uh so funny man uh, in montreal and in toronto and and yeah really putting on for for i think she was the only montreal act like uh in the 10 this year so um and uh and she's she's got incredible like her her sketch work is a lot of fun to watch and she'll be on tv for a long time so uh look out for that but uh yeah it, it's uh yeah i think that was definitely i think a theme this year was oh yeah everyone here uh deserves to be here knows that they deserve to be here the industry uh was kind of in agreement um and uh, i think there's always i think there's always controversies why is this person here why is that person there and this was like one of the few times where like no one had questions no yeah man it was a very very 
So. Very strong class. I wanted to for in for such a strong class. I, I obviously great performances, great stage presence, but I was in love with the writing. And I think you're a very strong writer too. For people listening, obviously we have a lot of comedy lovers. What three pieces of advice would you give to people that want to get strong, like in in writing? Is it taking a specific course? Is it doing a uh, reading a specific book? Is it writing every day? When when do you write? What have you seen great writers do? I feel like success leaves clues. So what have you seen that great writers do that could be implemented into aspiring great writers' day-to-day habits? Okay, well, let's, I mean, let's think like, yeah, I, I always try to, for me, like, so my process is a little bit unconventional in that sense. So I don't know how good my advice is going to be on this. Uh, but the way that I write is... uh I write whenever an idea comes to me. So for me, it's that is most days like something will, uh, you know, uh, but it's not like it's not every day. I don't just like sit and kind of force things for me. If Now, what I do is like if if an idea comes to me uh, and this is where I would get in trouble at work, like if an idea comes to me, I stop everything I'm doing and write that down. And I stay there and I explore that idea. And then next thing you know, it's been a half hour. Next thing you know, it's been two hours. How do you explore it? Are you free writing or or are you sitting with it? Are you coming up with your free writing, basically? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just write down all of the thoughts that come to me. um, And then and then the other thing, too, is I obsess. So even when I stop writing, I'm only thinking about that joke until I can, like, get it out. So I'm now distracted for the rest of my my day. whatever like i i'm uh so like it, it, that it just gets really stuck in my head and then every time something new comes in a new angle a new tag or a punchline then like i just write it down um i like type it into my phone or whatever and then uh, i'll go home and try to like rewrite it and um and then that's how my process will go so sometimes that can be like three or four days i'm not writing uh mm-hmm. and then and then i'm writing every day for the better part of a month or whatever so um that that's my process so like for me it's like oh if inspiration hits don't don't block it yeah it's perishable take advantage of it yes so Uh, yeah so first i guess right whenever the idea comes would be uh to develop the writing any books any workshops any I mean, I think it's probably one that you've uh, you've heard a lot is uh, I mean, it's the only comedy book I've uh, perused was the comedy Bible. And I like I do think for like uh, for uh, the comedy Bible, uh, I I should mention Judy Carter, Judy Carter. There you go. Uh, So I have it right here. Yeah. So and I think the comedy Bible is really good for structure. So. Mm Um, I think it's like, oh, yeah, here's a lot of angles you can take on on one idea. I think it's really good for expressing that stuff. Um, I think it's really good for like learning like little things. The rule of threes, very, very uh, like that. That doesn't go away. The rule of threes is like it's like the pick and roll in basketball. Like the game is going to (laughs) change. It's always going to whatever. That is one of those things that will always be implemented in some way, shape or form um no matter what um i think otherwise yeah i would say um 
what is it like i i think uh, one thing i've heard a lot kill your babies you know um you're gonna write something that you like you're gonna write something that you love you're gonna say something that you love it's gonna work and then chances are it can be better um mm -hmm. it can be different it can be whatever and you gotta be able to self criticize self whatever and, and, and in an honest way not like in itself like a hating yeah, kind of way. yeah yeah um where you can be like, oh, wait, there's a different way to break this down. I can go deeper into this topic. Um, don't stop at the laugh. You know, I, I try and find a a deeper place to take it. Uh, and, and I think you like you will. But you have to be willing to break down something that you enjoy um, uh, and, and deconstruct it. Um, and other... I mean, I don't know how much advice that is. I don't no, know. No, it's good, man. <laughs> like a word salad. Um, no, that's that's fantastic. I love it. Well, it's it, comedy is one of these things where you don't it, you don't get a diploma after four years. You know, it's like yeah. it, it's as uh, a meritocracy as either you, you you're funny or you're not that night, and and you can be the best in the world and suck that one night people are not gonna laugh i mean obviously if you're very famous they might like laugh a little bit more than if you weren't but at the same time you you could be very famous go into a room where nobody knows who you are and you still gotta win them over so it, it's mm -hmm. that's uh, that's why i think i love it i i'm i think we are the sick twisted type of people that lean into that pain of <laughs> uh of torture every night where a lot of people might not and and uh a lot the majority of people are scared of public speaking like public speaking is like communicating effectively let alone communicating effect and making people laugh so you got to be fucking crazy to to do this in many ways but i think i think once you you pass the once you're hooked you're hooked there's no I, I don't know there's no other way to explain it and even well, yeah oh, sorry keep going my bad no no <laughs> i was just gonna say and and even like uh, we just did a big festival here called latin comedy fest and we brought like 25 of the best latin comics from latin america three nights it was a big thing and um like you know the high is gonna be amazing and then after the festival it's like a low you know did, did that happen to you in montreal and toronto like you're, oh, yeah or... I, i'm like a chronic depressive too so like you know i i've I, i've had those issues all the time and i have like emotional spikes like even uh yeah that one was ugly after montreal it was i was gonna quit man <laughs> i was ready to quit stand up after montreal i was like you know what where am I really gonna go from here? What's gonna happen? <laughs> uh, on a high note, it's like this is kind of it for me. Like I, I was like fully convinced, you know. Um, and and by the way, this is like act like my emails are like filling up. Oh, hey, you, you want to come do this? You want to come do that? Hey, we'd love to send talk. We'd love to whatever. And I'm in my bed like this is it. I'm done. I'm never gonna do anything. I blew the opportunity. <laughs> I'm done. I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna get a day job. I'm good. I got my fill. I'm not. Yeah. I've uh, I've I've had it all. Uh, so it uh, yeah yeah the, the crash is nuts. I think I think personally, like at least yeah, I found at least uh, one of the biggest triggers of depression for me is just an extreme emotion, and I was the happiest that I had ever been. I'd taken this thing that I love and achieved something in it, um, 
uh yeah that 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 messed me up pretty good and how did you now that you have this self-awareness about you how do you mitigate it a little bit so it's not the low it's it's the high you can't control the highest of highs i guess unless you can like purposely not do drugs and not get wasted when you're in that high you can kind of like mitigate the high but how do you control the low is it exercise is it meditation is it like getting busy not going to bed too late how do you control it or is there is there a way to control it uh well i think what i've learned is like i'm gonna feel it and uh there isn't really any like pretending there isn't really any stopping it so it's like i i'll do weird like it's almost uh it's like like i baby proof so like when i know i'm doing well i'll like clean my room i'll you know change the sheets i'll get like everything set up so that i can yeah so that you know like i'll you know it's like putting the pillows next to the baby so that when it's rolling around it doesn't fall off the bed like i can I, so I'll like, I'll clean everything is basically what I'll do now um, and set up my environment so that while I'm depressed, I'm at least clean. And, you know, uh, you know, it's like, I'll have a shower, I'll do all that stuff. And then I can kind of just lay there, but at least I'm not like getting dirty and gross. Cause then I, that's when I spiral. Yes. It's like, okay, the room's messy. Now I feel guilty because my room's messy and then it's getting dirty. And then now I'm, I've, and I feel guilty. So the that's spiral. all. Spiral. It's just like this huge like thing. So like when I know I'm about to go down, I clean everything up and then um, let the crash happen. And then I just and then it might be a few days, whatever I'm going to. And then the other thing is like. I also now feel guilty if I'm not doing stand up now that it's my full time thing, now that I have a, um, uh, you know, a a a project, I have a, a whole like I have a like something I'm really trying to build a culture. I'm trying to build a, a, a base, you know, whether it's from the, like the perspective of like a following and people that like go out to see me, like people that, uh, that, that support me in other ways. I have these other meetings, like I have stuff to do. So like, for me, it's, those have actually been really good. It's like, I gotta go do a set tonight. Yeah. I haven't left my bed, but I gotta go do a set. And then I'll go and I'll bomb my dick off and then like go home. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, and it's good right because then that'll happen and then i'll feel bad for bombing so now i start like zeroing in on like okay I, I gotta fix it then i get absorbed by that work and then the next day i go out have a good set and often like you know as you said like it's a, it's a addictive so you get that jolt that usually resets the system and then um is a lot more likely to snap me out so um yeah I think does that explain it? One hundred percent. I can, I can yeah. relate. I, dude, that's the uh, that's the because people see the videos, they see the the pictures on stage, they see the Just for Laughs logo, and and they have no like. So we just did this this festival, and there were we had um. So when we when we quit our jobs, we started teaching stand up comedy and public speaking. So we we had this like combination called public speaking through comedy. It was a seven week workshop to speak with confidence, overcome the fear of public speaking, learn how to do stand up, and then graduate in front of an audience at comedy bar. And okay. like hundreds, hundreds of students have gone through our workshop since 2017. And that's become like the new generation of 
Hispanic Latino stand-up comedians here in Toronto. And um, and six of them did the festival here. And I told them on the Monday after the like, intense week, like Wednesday to Sunday, right. I, I told them on the Monday, guys, you might feel like shit today, but just know it's normal. It's it's like the post-festival blues depression. <laughs> and they were like, oh, fuck, I thought it was only me. Thank you. It's it's better to eat shit collectively than, than to like yes. just eat it by yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love it, man. Dude, yeah. I... I have one last question as we close the episode, uh, and it's the champagne question. Every guest gets this question, and it is the it goes like this: If we were to meet a year from now with a bottle of champagne, what are we celebrating in Ferris's life? Oh God, damn! Why you gotta do me like that, man? Shit. Uh, <laughs> um. One year, I'm, late 2024, maybe early 2025. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, the easy out here is I already know I'm taping something that'll come out like in the middle to, I think, like like in the fall of next year. So it's like, you're on TV, kid. Uh, so like I know that's happening. So yeah. like that. Uh, so uh, we can do that uh, as is uh, I'm going to be on TV. So that's new. Um, uh, other than that, ideally, you see, this is the problem. Like, I'm always one of those, like, maybe, I don't know if it's realism or pessimism, but I'm one of those, like, it's not a thing until it's a thing. Uh, so the hope is, uh, well, first it's non-alcoholic champagne. Um, yeah, yeah, so me too. Sparkling juice. Uh, so we'll be splitting San Pellegrino's over, uh, Probably, yeah, I think it, it'll be like uh, hopefully my TV show gets gets made or, or starts getting made. So maybe next year we're like, hey, we're, you know, we got funding um, or, or we got bought like, you know, the, the our, our, our show got got picked up. Um, That's good, man. Those are those are fantastic answers. Well, that's right. To... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You got, you got your visa. Uh, you're, you're good. You know, uh, <laughs> well, you, you went, so you're going to New York, uh, whatever that, you know, we'll see, but, um, yeah, man, that that's big. That's big. I, I mean, being on TV is one of those like milestones. That's pretty cool. And then having your own show, it just, it, it's uh fantastic. Cause you get that creative outlet. You, you can do your own thing. You, you have the accountability, you need yeah. to post, not you, you, you may, you need to create. And yeah. then you get that volume, which gives you confidence, which leads to other things. So that's great, man. That, I really want to thank you for being here. I wanted to, I wanted to interview you as soon as we, we, uh, I met you that day. I just for laughs. So thank you so much, man, for, for being here, for answering, for sharing. And, uh, I know the audience is going to love the episode, man. Thank you. No, no, thank you, man. Uh, it was obviously so great to meet you, JFL. Uh, I can't wait for us to work together, um, uh, like a ton more in the future. And congrats on all your success, man. You're killing I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> obviously the, the the show is great the stand-up is great i uh, can't wait to see your hour um i know that's going to be awesome and you've built such an incredible community in toronto and uh it's going to be all over south america it's going to be all over the world soon so uh uh you're uh you're the ghost that we're chasing don't uh, <laughs> you're, you're, thank you're you man, it, man. Big hug, man. I appreciate it. I admire you. Love your fucking material. I hope we can perform here soon in Spanish, English, French, whatever it may be, man. Big hug, Ferris and Stefan on the Stefan Dyer podcast. Ciao, ciao. Gracias por escuchar el Stefan Dyer podcast. Arrivederci, my people.